Hello everyone, this is Mirko Guerrini and I welcome you to the Jazz Transcription Clinic, a monthly interviews podcast where we talk with accomplished jazz doctors about their lives, career and their personal secrets on the art of transcribing. If you want to improve at jazz, stay tuned and follow the Jazz Transcription Clinic on the socials for more content. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Jazz Transcription Clinic podcast. Today I'm really excited and happy to have, for the first time on this podcast, to have the opportunity to uh, talk with two different guest doctors, uh, but they are actually an enterprise themselves. They started uh, some years ago, they will talk to us about uh, their journey. They, they started um, a, a sort of transcription enterprise uh, that they call Sharp 11 Music. And as usual, uh, website and links will be attached to the uh, explanation and, and the details of the video and the podcast. And please welcome to uh, Jorge Reinders and Timothy Pedone. Thank you guys for being here. Oh, uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, there we go. Great. It's a great pleasure to have you as guest doctors and um, <laughs> Jorge and Timothy have been transcribing uh, a lot, I would say, in the last few years, I think six or seven years. Uh, going yeah. from memory and uh, they told me that they have published uh, a transcription every week basically in the last six years and that's a yeah. lot of transcriptions of course so we are talking to the right people I guess in this uh, <laughs> podcast which is all about transcriptions so it will be also interesting to understand their perspective on transcribing because Jore is playing saxophone and Timothy is a guitar player and sometimes I've seen videos of you guys transcribing the same solo and playing the same solo together so uh, don't talk now but I, I for sure will ask you uh, something about you know how you uh, how is it possible that you do the same job, the same work, and you are still good friends. So that will be <laughs> the main question. But I think uh, without any further ado, we can start with the first question, which is, why do you transcribe, guys? Um, you can, like, give... I can give an answer that probably takes more than the, the length of the podcast, and I can do the brief answer, uh, which is actually basically to learn to know myself or to learn what my own taste is about and to kind of specify it so my own inner artistic voice comes out. That's the short answer. That's great. Have you had any success? Yes, that's why I, I guess we've been doing it now for uh, six, almost seven years is because I like per transcription feel like I'm discovering 
still new things and and it really helps to grow my my musical personality absolutely yeah i guess yeah it is a very interesting response uh because i guess first of all we tend to transcribe what we like so there is already a tip there a clue on who we are and and also maybe who we would like to be you oh know, yeah what kind Absolutely. of musician we would like to be and what Just about a, sorry can i do a funny follow-up but not to per se go there but you said you transcribe what you like which is absolutely true absolutely true but because we've kind of doing this weekly thing um then i've been actually selecting here and there for transcriptions i didn't necessarily like as well as also, also transcribing, transcribing a couple of my own solos which are different perspectives to learn from which yes. is also really nice to do yeah yeah i'm i was asked by a viewer um to to do one episode on one of my solos, but I'm a bit reluctant because uh, I don't know. In in my culture, I was, I grew up with the idea that you don't talk too much about yourself. So I do transcribe myself, but then I keep it for me because I I do it for my personal studies and to to suffer, <laughs> in you know, alone in my room and and you know, put my hands on my head and oh my god how bad I am uh, but I do it because mm -hmm. I want to improve but I don't know I, I'm a bit reluctant in sharing on on the podcast because I don't want to give out the idea that I want to show you know how good I am because most likely it will be the opposite <laughs> oh no but I think it's maybe rather just show about you know you if you teach you want to communicate the ideas you have and if you use transcription, also of your own material, yeah, you just can easier show it to people. That's, Absolutely. That's it. Yes. And what about you, Timothy? Why do you transcribe? Well, starting out is something you hear you have to do. And or also from, from going to the conservatory, it's something you had to do. So in the beginning, it's just like a task you have to or an assignment you have to just perform but after yeah some years i i got a teacher my, a new guitar teacher and he was really heavily into transcribing and transcribing and learning from records and all that stuff so you sort of start to to understand why it gets preached so much and at this point it's it's just becoming like a way of functioning as a, as a music, musician or, or whatever. It's just like you hear mm -hmm. something and you just figure it out by ear instead of trying to find a sheet for something. And right now, I've Jorge knows this, I have this list of, I don't know, 150 guitarists all throughout <laughs> history. And I'm right now it's, 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 basically a research project and i'm really trying to map how things evolved and how you know you really get to see how different players approach the same thing or you know what the similarities are how styles evolved and it's it's just fascinating and really interesting 
Yep. That's. I think I yeah. I resonate with all those concepts, and I also had the same experience. You know that my first jazz teacher. Uh, I started studying uh, jazz seriously after I got my master degree in classical music. And oh, wow. uh, just because, yeah, I one day uh, I got the jazz bug and the virus, you know, the virus never went away. So oh. I'm still deeply infected <laughs> with that <laughs> virus. But yeah, my first jazz teacher, a wonderful saxophone player in Rome uh, that I will try to interview him, he... He was the same. He was teaching through transcriptions, you know, so he, all the harmonic tools, but even, you know, sound and how you, for example, in the saxophone, how you articulate, how you use your tongue, it was all done through transcriptions. So let's work on Lester Young. Let's work on Dexter Gordon for this one. And you discover things and you learn a new uh, express expressions uh, by trying to imitate. So, at, at least you know at the beginning it was hard, I would say. But then you start mm. enjoying, even because you get better and better at it. So, uh, I don't know, you guys. Maybe you can tell me. I don't have perfect pitch, but. After many transcriptions, I can definitely transcribe alto and tenor without the instrument. Yeah. If I'm transcribing a piano or a guitar, uh, maybe there is you know, a chance that I'm getting like a tone apart. But if you give me a reference, of course, then I'm done. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't anything like that. I was super slow. My first few transcriptions were... A nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, your description could have been as well copy paste my description. It's not like just by doing a lot now I feel confident and pretty fast, and I do it without. In, in, at the start, I did it with my saxophone in my hand, and then uh, made a lot of mistakes by trying to play right. too fast and over the recording and all that, those kind. But now nowadays, you'll sit, I'll sit like this just behind the computer. And, and like Joe Henderson said, I don't have perfect pitch, uh, but he's, he said in a, there is a masterclass somewhere out on the internet where he says to the students, like somebody asks him, do you have perfect pitch? And he says, no, but if you, you've heard a thousand times an A on a tenor saxophone, I damn know how an A on a tenor saxophone sounds like. <laughs> so it's a bit like that. For yeah. sure, for a, for a saxophone, I think like every note has its kind of sound color difference. So even that uh, just really helps. It's a bit different than a piano yeah. where it's, I would say, more equal divided. Absolutely, yes. All right, and so what do you expect to bring home when you transcribe? What are your expectations? What do you try to achieve with the transcription? Um, it's different things for different transcriptions. 
obviously. And the interesting part is sometimes you go and transcribe something for a certain reason, but when you're in the process, you discover so many different things still. So that's the, those are mostly the most interesting transcriptions where because you're diving deeper, then you um, you start gaining other things that you didn't initially hear before deciding on that transcription. Uh, one that comes to mind is, you know, um, Timothy knows this. Uh, for a long time, I, I stayed away for, from transcribing stuff like David Sanborn doesn't really resonate with me sound-wise. I never kind of really liked that sound, but also because of a student of mine who wanted to transcribe that, we did that together in the lesson. And wow, when when I was sucked in, then then certainly, you know, I started to appreciate it's not only Sanborn or different players, I start appreciating them so much more and actually liking them. I think it's a pity we kind of say yes or no on a very intuitive level to players on mostly their sound, so their texture of sound. Uh, so if you don't like it, like David Sanborn, I never went longer than 20 seconds to listen to that sound because I said, like, I don't like the sound. But maybe you do like their melodic or harmonic concepts. Maybe I, what I like a lot about Sanborn is his expression, how he uses that. So you you miss potentially out on so many other aspects besides sound. So that's why I now try to push myself further than the initial um, yeah, uh, impression I get of yeah. any player and, and sometimes even say like, okay, I don't like this so much, but why is it that I don't like it? Let's transcribe it. Yeah. So that's a bit of a different approach. I don't know if I'm answering the question. But yeah, absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> Timothy? Yeah, yeah it's, for me, it's, it's kind of like... I don't know yet again with the the i don't really want to call it research but it's like reading a book you know every every transcription is like reading a new book mm -hmm. and 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 yeah just like yoga said you just stumble upon new things that you didn't even notice when you when you listen to it the first time and it's a general general thing that's that's um every new transcription you is just a new new dot on the map and you just expand your 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 vision and and yeah and overall knowledge i guess of of your instrument of the the styles and all that stuff so so your your spotlight just gets bigger and bigger so there's not really sometimes there's a line or or something that i hear that i really just want to know that like what's happening there yeah. mm -hmm. so it, it kind of depends it's it's a micro and a macro thing at the same time yeah and do you think it changes when you transcribe a guitar player or when you transcribe a different instrument um yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah for sure um I don't know how it is for for other um instruments but like guitar players where you hear it a lot like you should transcribe other instruments and trumpet players and saxophone players and you, you have guys like alan holsford they you hear the stories that they're really influenced by saxophone players and they want to emulate saxophone players yeah. 
And I, my, my own feeling and the thing that I sort of, I don't know, got wrong was that I transcribed too many other instruments before I really started transcribing guitar. So I, I was missing out on a lot of things that was really guitaristic and, and fundamental to, to guitar. Um, so I think that it's a bit of a side answer to your question, but it's, in my opinion, important to really get to grips with how your instrument works. And then it's easier to sort of spread out into other instruments and how that maps onto your instrument. I think yeah. what we've discovered by, by, you know, doing different instruments, coming from different instruments, transcribing, and then talking a lot about it uh, to each other is that you see, you have like a very, it's a cultural thing, like for saxophonists and what, what kind of lines you play, but also how you approach certain, yeah, improv already the improvisation itself. It's a very cultural uh, thing and then you have what saxophonists think about guitarists and vice versa and and it's it's strange if you start you know uh one Timothy said that about Holtzworth he said like yeah Holtzworth was trying to sound like a guitar uh, like a saxophone player and I was like huh you know if I listen to him I really don't think like he sounds like like a saxophone player yeah. but he, then Timothy said something about the legato part yeah. of his playing and that I could understand but then I felt like yeah but he sounds so legato saxophone players don't sound like they try to phrase they do the opposite they try to get the bumpy side and the phrasing like cannonball or something that's cool into their playing so he was trying to reach a different goal that saxophonists are not do they they go the opposite <laughs> yeah. way so that kind of strange things happening there so i think we should talk more to each other i remember also an interview to pat metheny and he said that he was uh, studying a lot for example chet baker and he started studying instead of playing chet baker lines in a guitaristic way he said i wanted to go down the stick so he was like playing the solos using only one string that oh, for yeah. forces you to play your instrument in a different way and eventually you find other colors you know on your instrument that maybe you would never explore if it's no, not I, I think we saxophonists uh mirko by the way it's like we should do we this are better more. right i mean i i've i've <laughs> You know, we do mostly saxophone transcriptions, even already doing a trumpet. Uh, that's like, whoa, out of our comfort zone. But I've tried some of Timothy's Alan Holtzworth solos. Um, yeah, there's one cover we did together on the, yeah. uh, also on the, on YouTube. But, but also a couple of others, which I didn't publish because there are a few parts that are basically impossible. But, but just from doing it, it, it's completely different world. Yeah. It's 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 completely. I, I get into different patterns that I thought like, whoa, this is so cool. But you don't see so much saxophone players that that transcribe uh, other players, let alone guitar players. Maybe then other horn players, but not, you know, or. Um, yeah, it opens still so much possibilities to break out of that. On the one side, you have to know your 
your basic idiom of your instrument, I think, but it's it's also so narrow. I think there is so much more headroom for us, for us saxophone players. I can only uh, talk for saxophone yes yeah. uh, to break out of. Just yesterday, I was uh, teaching a student, and uh, he's a he's playing alto, and I I just played off YouTube a track played by Charlie Mariano, and uh, in one chorus, Charlie Mariano is using like three or four different I call tricks, you know, that you can use on the saxophone, like the side D. For example, yeah. and the side D with the normal D pressed, or the the honky B flat uh, in the high octave, or the cannonball thrill on the high yeah. notes with the high E. <laughs> and I was talking to him, and I, I just realized that I learned all those things from transcribing. So oh. I could, you know, explain. Oh, you know how to how he does it. And I said, no, I don't. Oh, if you do this and that, and he tried, and and I, I could see his face, like illuminated all of a sudden. It was like discovering a new toy, you know. And oh, I can do that. That that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but it's a process that uh, I guess it it's not too different from what, like Michelangelo, was doing in Florence uh, six hundred years ago by going to a workshop of a master and try to steal with the eyes and copy and try to do exactly the same thing to, to recreate the same effect or, or just the same color, you know, by combining yeah. uh, portions of different uh, main colors. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, process, but definitely when you transcribe your instrument, you, you start, you know, learning all the all the different dresses that you can put on and oh yeah to I me think you can to, basic basically learn anything with transcribing but sorry go on no to me is pursuing freedom so yeah. that i can express myself in a precise way and if i feel angry i want to deliver anger or if I feel happy and serene and relaxed, I want to be able to do that. And, of course, responding in a very quick uh, time to maybe something that is happening on, on stage. So that's the practice part. We, we can talk about that later, but it's funny because we are talking about, you know, all those young players and young YouTubers I consider you young guys, by the way. <laughs> I'm three hundred fifty-seven years old, but um, uh, you know they they present those videos like uh, learn to improvise in four minutes, or master the diminished scale in one hour. And apart from the fact that is a very bad lie, and we all know that it's incredible how many people fall for, for it. So one aim of, of my podcast is also to try to defend the idea that nothing comes with nothing. There's no, it's not magic. It's not magic. Every single thing no. that you achieve, it means hours of sweat. And also frustration, 
is sometimes, you know, it takes three weeks to get to one chorus done, you know, in a, in a good way. It's great that you mentioned that. I would say it's pretty inevitable to have the frustration part. You cannot cut that out, uh, that part. Yeah, you cannot get out, but it seems that, uh, especially for the young people, I'm talking about, you know, uni students and people that are approaching yeah. the jazz music, uh, all the the examples and the inputs that they receive from the media are talking differently. Mm -hmm. You know, if you watch a, a reality show like The Voice or X Factor, there are those guys that the week before they couldn't sing in tune, you know, two notes, mm -hmm. and then the week after, you know, they sing like Pavarotti. I mean, <laughs> it's so clear to me that there is a script And it's a good script, I get it, but I know it's a script, right? Because mm -hmm. I know it's impossible, but a lot of people fall for it. And so there is a personal fight into this. Uh, and I tell everyone, you know, th there's no magic. I can't teach you to learn this thing in one hour. You know, oh, no. I, I can tell you, and it all depends on how much you work. And what do you do in that time? Because, you know, you can spend even three hours playing the saxophone, but maybe you practice only 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And all the rest Absolutely. is uh, yes. we, are, we are, you know, going a little bit off the rail, as, <laughs> as usual, but it's good. It's good. That's good, yeah. Um, this is an interesting question. How do you choose the solo, Timoshi? <laughs> Answer first. Um... <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. sorry, I expand a little bit because you are a navigate, navigated uh, YouTuber. So I would say, do you choose sometimes in terms of, oh, this is going to be popular or you still choose things that you think has a value or simply because you love that solo and you want to play it? Um, mostly... you. you You sort of, or we sort of, I sort of um, try to keep all of these things in mind. But mm -hmm. the most important thing for me usually is, um, well, it has to trigger me first. If I don't like a solo, I'm not very quickly gonna go it, transcribe something like that. If I, I usually I have to hear something that really makes me go like, oh wow, that's very interesting or, or peculiar or something. Um, or it could be just like an artist that, that maybe doesn't get, that didn't receive a lot of attention that I think that deserves a lot of attention or more attention. So a little bit more the underdog kind of things. Yeah. Um, Yeah, stuff like that. And then it's more like a prediction, like, oh, maybe this will this will uh, be intriguing or interesting for people and it'll do well or but those predictions <laughs> usually <laughs> go Fail. in the opposite direction. The things yeah. I think like, oh, this will this will do well. This is really cool. It gets like 
a fraction of the views of, of some of the things that we put together in 10 minutes and then they yeah that stuff takes off yeah when you least expect it so yeah that's good yeah yeah what about exactly you, Joe? That. um yeah what timothy says like it has to resonate i don't transcribe something i don't like but just for the sake of maybe it gets a lot of views but mm -hmm. usually it doesn't have to be like a black or white thing it can be a bit in the middle like i just did this uh video that does quite well on the on on our channel about the presidential inauguration with 10 different saxophone players uh, uh, so i just it... thought i kind of knew what they were doing it was blues um mostly blues based uh, improvisation but i really liked the idea also for myself to have like 10 really different voices next to each other just to see what the the little differences at least would be and or do they sound the same but uh just you know so it was a bit in the middle it's not that i actually for the most part melodically i knew what was was happening but that's not the only thing sometimes um setting two different players next to each other in this case it were 10 so it was um is also a really nice little investigation to do so um absolutely yeah yeah and uh more more a little bit more specifically can you tell us uh about your methodology to transcribe so what is your process and how you do it do you use any mm. software or i would oh, like yeah. to know how you how you do it from you know day one to when it's finished um day one is your uh, goes down the rabbit hole on youtube usually <laughs> and then suddenly here's a like where i used to do solos that i knew for like i've heard it 100 times before and i transcribed that, that which, which I, I sometimes, sometimes still do oh. Uh, absolutely and i have some of those on my list i know also react more impulsively that i hear something i think whoa that's cool i put it on a second time and then i decide to transcribe it so i didn't hear it a lot yet uh, then i download mostly now nowadays from youtube download but get the audio to to download to my computer so i can load it into transcribe the software oh, yeah. exclamation mark for yeah. people that don't know you know it yeah. uh it's it's a beautiful uh tool there are many more options and youtube nowadays has a tool where you can slow it down pretty yeah. well as well but i don't like the marker it's hard to pinpoint in in youtube so transcribe and is it does still better youtube is still either 75 percent or 50 percent you can't go fine with yeah. a with a slowing down I, I used the 50% marker before, I still sometimes do, but I try to avoid it if yeah. possible because it gets so blurry yeah. and also it doesn't necessarily cover, you go too specific into something the player really didn't intend it, I think. So So sometimes you want to zoom out, uh, that's by the way one of the big bigger mistakes I did in the beginning. Um, I did this Oleo transcription from, from Cannonball. Mm -hmm. uh, if you know that, it's a super fast thing with, with Miles, super cool solo. And I did that like on 50 or 75%, I don't know. I transcribed the whole solo, but I didn't kind of went back and to zoomed out just in the normal speed. So at the end, I was reading back through it and then I 
suddenly came up with all these kind of weird or uh, some kind of weird rhythms while it was just basically all eight notes but you know the little differences in slower tempos they they get amplified and then you start doing yeah. weird stuff so so i try to avoid that if if possible i try to do it on on the normal speed yeah uh so in transcribe do small parts still but work on my memory my work memory i try to slow it down in my head if that makes sense so i will take maybe if it's a very fast thing with a lot of notes maybe do two beats play it maybe two times and then see if i can i cannot sing well timothy knows that i'm a terrible singer but i try to they call it audiate sing it back in my head and if i do that well i can that's the best uh, software to slow it down note for note and then I I get it uh, down so to, to get a rough process but uh, so transcribe go through it bar by bar don't take my saxophone to play over it that's for after I've done the whole thing to double check but also I play it next to each other and not on top of each other anymore um, until maybe the last process when I'm finished I want to really learn it yeah um, and so that's that transcribing then also always the chords there are some transcribers on youtube that don't put the chords i i really can see i mean you're for me losing more than half of the benefits Absolutely. if you don't do that that's exactly what i want to see what is it in this context uh what he's playing um and then um there is mostly a proofreading part, sometimes a second proofread, because you always miss some silly things. Um, and and then, then we, we make usually a video of it. I, I cut it out on my computer and make the video of it. Uh, that's a very rough process. Yeah. Um, so then I have Adobe Premiere for the video editing. Yeah. That's about it. Good. And what about you, Timothy? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty similar. <clears throat> hunting on YouTube for uh, for something to transcribe. Um, nowadays, I prefer to to um, transcribe things from um, that have video footage mm -hmm. um, because I want to see where they play certain things, like especially with Holdsworth solos or something. So the fingerings are very important. Uh, so. Now I, I do also download the audio to open and transcribe, but I also keep the video on YouTube open. You can also play the video back and transcribe, but that's that's like the opposite of YouTube. So the video quality is, is kind of laggy and shaky, so you can't really really see what's going on. So I prefer to keep it up on, on YouTube just to check where he's if he's changing positions or whatever or or now i'm doing a lot of solo guitar stuff so it's it's helpful to see usually like like you hear things on saxophone i can hear pretty quickly if there are open strings or whatever so you just get accustomed accustomed to that so but it's helpful to just double check if you're in the right direction yeah um yeah and I then I, I use Dorico. Uh, I actually my my um, proofreading part comes when I'm editing in the the transcription to video. Then I 
get to see all the stupid things that crept up in <laughs> there that's and the worst. I had to go back into Doroko and I know. Worst. it. <clears throat> but the good <clears throat> thing about Premiere is that if you just um if you overwrite your your new file, your your yeah. I use PNGs. Yeah. Yes. So if you just override it with the new yeah. one, it gets automatically updated into Premiere. So yeah, super it's, it's pro like tip. If, if my edit is right and I notice mistakes, it's okay. I yeah. just have to update my my sheet and then I will. Yeah, yeah I will. Maybe after we finish, uh, show you how sound slice work because especially you, Timothy, I think you can save a lot of time if you start using this the concept behind sound slice is exactly that you link and it's not lagging at all and you can be super precise you can even move and adjust a little bit the notes there is a graph where when you write the notes there comes a graph with the notes on top of the waveform so you can see exactly mm. and sometimes like what uh Jorge was was saying before that sometimes you know you you try to write something but it's just eight notes and maybe it's better to write I don't know drag or laying back instead of trying to write the exact rhythm yeah. because we we need to think oh what the player would have thought yeah you exactly. know to play that line but with with sounds lights I found very easy also to to adjust in order that when the playhead is, is playing the solo is, is really super precise with the music. And that helps, you know, because, because when I proofread my transcriptions, I then can find a lot of uh, even, you know, small articulation things, whether yeah. it's a scoop or a grace note, which for us, you know, saxophone player makes a difference. Because <coughs> Sure, but I guess even, usually, even for guitar, you know, you can. It's a lot of the times also the combination of both. Yeah. Sometimes if 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 it's like banded down that much, you, I mean, you cannot probably it's the player is helping with the grace note, but it's so banded down that you don't hear it anymore. So that's what Timothy also. It's less for saxophone players, but it's nice if you have the footage and you can somehow see a bit uh, what what the player yeah. does. Absolutely. Uh, that's uh, that's good. So the next question is: Do you write it down, and if yes, when, or if not, why? Yeah, we always obviously we also publish it, but I just okay. I I love just seeing it down gives me different insights than um, than just knowing it in my head. Um, even with small solos, even with tunes, it, it's there is like there are funny little things that happen and just occur to me when I see it written down as the opposite of just knowing it in my head. A little, a little thing like that, which was by the way not a transcription but a tune. All uh, what's that? All of me, the tune I was doing with a student recently. And I was going through the chord progression and I know it like 90% but it's like one or two. I, I've never done it by by uh, with the sheet music. And then um, I, I opened the, the sheet music and then I suddenly saw like what's that in the second part of the first A. You have those notes adds, uh, in concert, the B flat, um, you know, in it. And I, then I suddenly realized like, so it moves to D minor 
but it has this kind of modal interchange actually uh, vibey to it. And I knew the melody, I knew the chords, but just from, uh, yeah, having this overview, then it all clicked. So I think writing it down always helps. It's like there is this misconcept, which is uh, in education, that we learn best. Everybody has their preferences. Like you learn best by ear, somebody learns best by seeing it, somebody learns, but this is kind of a misconception in education. It goes, uh, it, it sounds fancy. A lot of people think it works like that. There's a very cool video on it by a YouTuber, Veritasium it's called. Um, and the research actually suggests that it only amplifies each other. So learning by ear is great, but learning by ear and seeing it just amplifies it. Learning and seeing it and then feeling it by perhaps learning it amplifies it more. So it's like a you stack it on top of each other. It's not one over the other. So I would... I wouldn't see a problem. Some people say, no, you have to do it by ear. It's kind of a problem if you have to write. You have those purists, I would say. Um, but I would say the opposite. It just helps to to write it down. Yeah. yeah uh, I guess sometimes, you know, if we, especially if I, if I don't have the time, I immediately write it down. But I found out that I, if then I don't learn it by heart, I'm still missing a lot because uh, to me, you know, if I read music, I'm reading music. So there is an interpretation uh, like mm -hmm. a mathematical interpretation, a theoretical interpretation of what is written on the chart while playing from memory it really gets me to the core of the sound of that line or the timing, the precise timing, which is different from watching a bunch of eight notes. Uh, while if you learn mm -hmm. exactly what it does, remember there is a Stan Getz solo that I learned and he does a tremolo, a fourth tremolo. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really difficult to learn the exact frequency of the tremolo because he Modular, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the things you don't write. Yeah, you write the E and the A, and you put the two dashes in between. Yeah, sure. Then you have to learn the sound of it. As yes, but I think that's that's just knowing which parts, like also the expression, and you can. I see the transcription, the sheet music as a guide, so it's not the exact thing, and you shouldn't be pinned that that. I would completely agree with, but it's also it's just a guideline. The opposite is also true. People will try to do it by ear, but most people think they're... I'm sorry, but I think that's for most of us, maybe even including myself, we overestimate our own memory most of the times. And then you kind of get on the memory and then like, oh, oh no, just lit I knew this, there was a little mistake again. And But you are practicing mistakes and I don't see the point in that either. So we are kind of, it also sounds better to say to somebody, I know this by ear, I didn't need to write it down. It's all so romanticized, but you, it's you a bit should, strange uh, in my opinion. You should watch the first episode of, of my podcast I started this podcast after I saw 
a YouTube video of a very, very good friend of mine. He's from Florence too. He's a saxophone player, very nice saxophone player. Uh, he was studying with my father. My father was a saxophone player too. Uh, so he's a bit older than me, but um, I remember him coming to lessons to my father. And like one and a half year ago, he published this video where he plays a Michael Brecker solo, a live version of, uh, I think it's Record Me with the steps ahead. Mm. And it's like six minutes of Brecker solo at you know the top gear mm -hmm. okay. and he's simply perfect so I had this you know impulse of oh I I need I need the world to see this because yeah. and there is a question in that episode I asked my friend Claudio is his name I said Claudio Claudio how long did it take and he said six months two hours every day yeah. wow. but you watch <laughs> the video on youtube and you can't believe it it and everything is there the expression the time feel even the sound mm -hmm. he's a breaker lover since you know i remember him <laughs> so there is that sound resonates a lot with him but still you know even a, a great saxophone player like he is took him six months of you know work and work and work and work and i i don't believe that if he would still try to read it he would get to the same result right like, like what you said that yeah. you are empowering your knowledge on that yeah thing. but it, it's kind of probably also the other way if i would practice any solo six months two hours a day i mean it comes kind of by default that you know what is happening but it also depends on how much i mean this is super into depth into one solo and that's certainly a thing that you could do and which has a lot of benefits um but uh, there are so many different ways it depends on what you want to learn i don't say i wouldn't wouldn't say if somebody learns it by heart that it's a bad thing necessarily but uh, there is mostly the bashing in the other way uh, for from the jazz police like no you should do it by ear and riding down that's for losers almost that's almost no, how it no, sounds no, of course, you know? but i'm i'm always against all extremisms right yeah, whatever they are that, it depends not... on on the goal i i guess yeah. but but anyways also I, I guess Claudio maybe started out from from did he do everything by ear and memory? No, no, he he wrote it down. Or, oh yeah, so but that's great. But, so but then he you know first both. he first memorized like let's say eight bars. Yeah. After he got them, he wrote them down and then moved to the next eight bars. This is yeah, that, this is his process, which of sure. course can differ from anyone else. But and, and depends on what you want to learn. Uh, yeah. But for me, that would also emphasize learning music, musical memory. And at most times, I'm not really interested in extending my musical memory so much. I, I rather go into why is the line so cool and what is happening yeah. and what's the concept. He uses octatonic, cool. cool. He uses these kinds of intervals, cool. And I even then would say like, know I know enough to try to create my own solo with it instead of copying it. Yeah. 
but that's different interpretations of what you want to learn, of course. I guess, Timothy, you had this discussion with Jorge many, many times. So what's your insight? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think well, I used to also just transcribe and not write it down just because I wanted to learn something and, and just copy it on my instrument. Um, but writing it down really, in my opinion, and my experience forces, it forces me to really, yeah, sort of, sort of what Yoga says, like add that extra layer of attention to it. So I really have to know, okay, what's the rhythm? Where is it in the beats? How, you know, all, all those things you can, um, if you learn it and you just copy it and play it, you eventually you'll know where everything falls and maybe not consciously know where how something is rhythmically or whatever you just play what you hear and you yeah. just copy it and that's fine yeah. um i'm not that's, i'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing or or whatever you know just putting it down on paper really makes you think about everything especially rhythm all that stuff yeah um yeah, you you really have to make something very concrete, and then yeah, you put it on paper as best as you can. Yeah, even because this music is the most, you know, foggy music ever. So it's let's say it's already impossible to write, even I don't know a rock drums groove. You know, you 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 can try to be precise and then. You know, you let a computer play and the computer is very precise and it's not the same thing. So there, there is something else. Uh, but it's also like, you know, when you, when you ask a student, okay, let's play, there will never be another you. And you give the real book chat. You remember how the real book chat is written. Da, 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 di, da, mm -hmm. da, da. Da, 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 mm -hmm. da, da, da. And then the student get frustrated, you know, because he doesn't know what to do. But then just you transcribe 10 different versions and you just transcribe the melody. This is sometimes where I start from uh, mm -hmm. with a student. Let, let's work on a melody and maybe a melody sang by Sarah Vaughan or Ella Fitzgerald. You know, and we can spend a good couple of months on just the melody of a simple sure. standard and get to the point that, yeah, you can write it down, but you have to know the sound of it. And then when you write it down, you gain everything else. Uh, to yeah. me, for me, it never worked the other way. I never learned a solo of a book. I, I have a lot of books of, you know, printed solos that I bought, volumes, I can't learn them. I can study them. Yeah. I remember I, I was studying the Charlie Parker Omnibook as a technique exercise. But Mirko, maybe there also, by the way, I, 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 I absolutely get what you mean. And, uh, and that's certainly a way, it's not that everything has to be written for us to be learned or something, or that we do everything with uh, what you describe would be a way I would do it as well. Um, but I think there is also the difference there from 
like published books that you kind of try to read or the stuff you transcribed yourself. Of course. Because, because when you went through the process yourself already and write it down and even don't study it, you've gained a lot of insights. Yeah, but there's, there's not an argument here. <clears throat> we, we all agree on the same things. Yeah. And sorry, Timothy, I think I interrupted you before. Oh, no, I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if, if that's what I what what was what it was that I wanted to say, but it's it's as we all agree, like what you hear the sounds the recording that's in the end the most important thing it's always using your ears that's that's the whole point yeah. and then of course you're listening and then writing it down not not the other way around like i'm studying conducting now and then if you see a melody written down then you have to make an interpretation of that yeah. and decide mm -hmm. yourself how you you're how you're going to express that and articulations and all that stuff but that's a different process than learning from recordings and learning expressions and articulations and all the nuances that's that's the most important thing from gaining from listening to that and learning by yeah, ear absolutely the writing it down is just for yourself the extra layer of yeah of i would call that the the implicit transcribing it can also happen when listening to uh, there will never be another you in your car or so. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And uh, next question I I think is quite important and the listeners are eager to hear your uh, vision on this. How do you practice uh, the transcription? Um, so how do you... Uh, practice the, the, the things that you transcribe, if you do practice? Um, I would say I probably practice because of <laughs> kind of the consistency we've, uh, we've been putting up on our channel. I just practice about 10% or 20%, literally, maybe not even, I don't, I, I don't know. But so this is about practicing, but I just want to add, you can gain so much from transcribing even without starting to copy it on your instrument yeah. um, so that's the conceptual learning is the biggest part and then when we get something down or at least for my part it's different when i, I study start, a, a saxophone player, player even a hard one like michael brecker or i did the holdsworth thing two different worlds almost i mean kind of with the saxophonist you go into pods like in a in the woods you you use you just follow parts that are at least uh, already made. Yeah. And with Holdsworth, there you you need to come up with methods also for fingerings or you know, otherwise it's impossible. So there was also a lot of just a little bit researching or figuring out how I would handle things. While with like Michael Brecker or the other ones I did, Paul Desmond or you kind of know it's possible on the saxophone to start with. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's practical. Um, and then, I don't know, I don't have a special way of, of going about it. Just from the start, trying listen to it a lot without the saxophone so you know what is happening. You cannot go and practice any kind of transcription if you don't... I, I wouldn't say I, I always kind of exchange sing for audiate because I cannot sing. I can sing it mentally, but I if I would sing it with my voice, it would be terrible and nothing 
like the original so you have to be able to um, simulate it in in your head mm. that's that's without without saying um and then just go part by part i don't know there is that there is not so much by it uh, the hard, hard parts i single out i use my classical uh, i had a few years of classical real training until my 16th uh, there it comes in handy for the real hard parts to practice it with like for example if it's 16th notes that are very fast i do them uh, per five so a four uh, grouping but always connected to the next, next one, one that I, I give it different, different rhythms, rhythms like and then the other the opposite rhythm da 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 because you then uh, do some notes uh, very fast um, already but in different orders and that helps tremendously to yep. get a hard line I remember with Michael Brecker that's that's in there. We did the original Ray solo. You you remember that one, yeah. uh, Timothy, yeah. from life. Yeah, yes. There is, I mean, I always thought like, if something is fast, I can learn it. I mean, it's just fast, but you should be able to, if you can do it well enough, then you reach that tempo. That was the only time that I had a breaking, almost a breaking point that I thought like, no, this is too fast. I cannot get that down. It kind of worked out in the end, but not as, as neat as I hoped for. Uh, but I would everybody, I would advise every saxophone player to get at least a few of classical saxophone lessons just for, because technical wise, they're way better then saxophone players, uh, jazz players are so sloppy. Yeah, the system you described, uh, I think, comes from the Marcel Mule oh, I yeah. idea on playing scales where you apply. I didn't know that. Thank you for, for, for pointing it out. Yeah, there is, a, there is a, um, a book called in French, and now I'm, I'm going to lose my face forever for attending <laughs> my French, which is Les Gammes dans tout les tonalités. And in the front page, there are like 20 different rhythms. And he suggests to play all the scales and you apply a different rhythm to the scales. And then there is another book with the same concept called um, Daily Exercise for the Mechanic. Mm -hmm. And same thing, maybe there is a, a passage that is not that comfortable. I don't know, let's say low C sharp and D sharp where you have to use your pinkies mm -hmm. and same concept. When you apply a different rhythm, your fingers can develop a stronger muscle memory. So Absolutely. That, that works perfectly. Yes. Cool. Timothy, you have anything to add to this question or? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it always depends on where you're at. I think your current level of, of what what is it that you want to gain from the transcription is it some melodic harmonic concepts uh, or, or is it more of a technical thing like with the Michael Brecker stuff that Jorge makes me uh, learn it's it's <laughs> both but it's mainly also a technical thing because as he had with the Alan Holsworth stuff yeah. or the, the cannonball solo for me you know all the saxophone stuff it's it sounds great on saxophone, but it really is not very practical on the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, most of the things, of course, it's, it's all playable, but you really have to 
yeah, come up with a different strategy to get the line out of your fingers and on the neck. So that's that's a that's a good exercise yeah. as well. Yeah. And just to, to have that different approach to how to play something. Um so yeah, for, for me it's I also don't practice every transcription we make. It I see it also as like a, a public service thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that we provide. Absolutely. I understand very well that point. And yeah, so that follows the uh, the next question, which is uh, how do you incorporate ideas into your playing? So uh, every time, you know, we talk about transcriptions or we encourage students uh, to transcribe, uh, they sort of start missing the point is they say, what do I do once I have finished the transcription? And I say, well, your work start there. Because, oh, yeah. you know, the, the transcribing process is the preliminary requirement uh, for us. And then you, you can start to try to implement ideas into your playing. So do you have any particular strategy that you want to share with us, Timothy? Uh, yeah, um, I think, well, for me, I try to, um, not necessarily copy licks exactly, but I try to just, uh, crack the, the concept that's behind them. You know, you know, what tools are they using? What's the, the harmonic thinking behind it? Um, and I think that's also, um, beneficial to transcribe multiple solos by the same player yeah because yeah. everyone has their approach about how they think about yeah. things you know sometimes you can get the feeling like there's one right way to play anything <laughs> or to improvise or to do something but yeah. then as you start checking out all these people you, you start to notice like oh he approaches it like this or they use it in this way or there's a lot of systems and ways of thinking yeah. about harmony and about melody. So um, I think that's, the, for me, that's that's how I, I approach things. Just try to get behind the, the way of thinking and the concepts and try to apply that mm -hmm. instead of copying licks verbatim and not really know what's happening that's good yeah i could add to that i think what timothy said and then what is really fun if um uh, of course if you're in a beginner stadium you you need probably a teacher to help you with that to analyze it and your theory uh, that might be a problem for some so there is where your theory kind of has to keep up with what you're transcribing so you really can see what is happening that's a given but once that is the case then it can be fun to um you crack the code like timothy says or you see the concept and then you make a little exercise for yourself with that concept for example i could see that that i love paul desmond which you might have seen that's one of my underdog people that is my goal to bring yeah. more to the forefront as a jazz improviser yeah. um, but he makes so such great melodies that's what i all always uh thought of intuitively i didn't know why yeah he sounds beautiful but also the melodic concepts and now since 
my 10th transcription maybe it came later i have done tw 20 about 20 now um i see actually that he's we all uh know paul desmond for his beautiful sequences and melodies but i actually kind of discovered that a lot of what i like about those melodies are all um attached to very uh, logical rhythmic structures in question and answer over two or four bar phrases and that's actually way more of the the, the hook that 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 makes you remember those melodies yes. so well yes. so then you can simply uh, i've done this for for one, one of his, his solos, solos live in the carnegie hall bossa nova usa uh, that's the and then uh, uses that a lot with a lot of variations and also in which variations but I kind of made it a rhythmic template of the solo and then I tried play over the changes I had a rhythmic template from from Paul Desmond which was a lot of fun to do yeah. so you have limitations and freedom I think that's the place where you always start to learn you Fantastic. have to give yourself an assignment and yeah, uh, yeah. and it's funny because uh, uh, one past guest doctor of the podcast of the clinic uh, the Australian pianist Paul Grabowski he used exactly the same words uh, to him transcribing is like cracking a code mm -hmm. and it's funny that you just use the same words uh, that's good mm -hmm. so we are uh, almost at the end <laughs> Don't worry, it's, it's like three minutes more. <laughs> the last two questions are a bit the, the silly questions to end uh, this show with you guys. And so you can also give a very short answer or throw uh, just a name. So the first one is, who was the most difficult player you transcribed? Uh... You can answer this in different ways. If if it's all in, instruments, then yeah, it's any sure. trumpet player. Um, <laughs> trumpet players are the worst. I'm sorry, trumpet players. You 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 have great guys. Uh, for for saxophone, let me think about this for two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Tinti, you can. <laughs> well, for for me, num well, I have two. Uh, Alan Holtzworth for guitar. That's. Yeah. you know uh, and i did a couple of transcriptions of tigran the piano player mm -hmm. and uh uh what's the song called it's it's Nerian odyssey or something it's like 10 minutes and i transcribe it and that was that was really the hardest one i i ever did i i, I do believe it <laughs> i i have also two names by the way because yeah. I, it's hard to decide their heart in a of different course. way one is um james carter on pick up the pieces if you know the solo uh, with phil collins big band it's live on montreux oh, he, uh, maybe maybe it's kind of a famous solo but he yeah. starts i mean he plays lines for maybe a minute and the rest of the he does a lot of the overtone stuff with circular breathing and then he starts screeching you know where you move your fingers but you do it all with your mouth actually that was really hard to kind of make get down on a sheet because Absolutely. i kind of knew what he was doing but he wasn't doing you know yeah. notes i couldn't transcribe pitches um I somehow w made my way through it. I didn't remember how, but I had a lot of breaking points yeah. where I had like 
I'll I'll have to write move your fingers rapidly and go with your embouchure through the ulti or something like that. I couldn't make it out on a sheet. Um, but what he does is also almost like classical improvisation with 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 just sounds and and, and gimmicks, of course. And then the other one is funny enough. David Sanborn, a transcription of David Sanborn on St. Louis Blues. Yeah. But that's because he is so expressive. He does a lot of those smears. He smears, he does a lot of notes and he smears with his intonation. Then, you know, that those lines out. So it gets super blurry and rhythmically really hard to notate. Yeah, the, the most expressive guys probably make it the hardest uh you know that that version that you mentioned if it's the same version we are talking about he, album version for me uh, he plays the exact solo of the cannibal Adderley version of that piece do you know that album that gilevens recorded with cannibal as a soloist called new bottle old wine I know the album that it exists, but I don't know okay. the music. So, so I'm I'm obsessed with that album. I had a period, okay. you know, in the past years ago where I used to listen to it every day, every day. Okay. I I think it's one of the most gorgeous album ever recording in terms of arrangement. So it's Gil Evans arranging a bunch of mm -hmm. old standards like St. Louis Blues, King Porter Stomp and strutting with some barbecue. Yeah. Uh, but reinvented, you know, with a with a sound of Gil Evans. So there goes the title New Bottle Old Wine. Right. And Cannibal is a soloist on all the numbers and there is Art Blakey playing drums and then there is mm -hmm. only brass plus two clarinets and electric guitar and piano and bass of course um, it's a wonderful album guys you you would fall in love immediately and then a few years ago I bumped into this album by Dave, Dave Sambon where all the arrangements are exactly the same, transcribed, but a little bit more on the easy listening side. And he plays, you know, all the solos from Cannonball, oh. a la Sembourne. I'm still undecided whether I like the operation or I hate it. Yeah. I get I get that immediately because it, it reminds me of a Kenny G recording of Cannonball's Corcovado as well. Oh. Where he kind of pretty yeah. Yeah. He copies a lot of the lines, let's say. Yeah. Um, but in the case of Sembourne it it's exactly the same thing. And at least online you don't find any acknowledgement of the original oh. source. So it's not written, at least online, I don't have the album. I have other, like, six albums of Sambon, but I don't have that one because, I don't know, there is something that, oh, no. That's but, uncanny, just, it feels weird. Yeah, and online, Probably. there is nothing written, and even, you know, in under the YouTube video, you can see comments of people saying, oh, great arrangement, oh, that sounds so great, uh -huh. you know, one of the best albums. And I think... Is this thing right or, or wrong? I, I still not decided. I should interview Sam Boone. 
and ask. Oh yeah, that. yeah. But please cool. check check that album by sure. Gilevans with. Uh, uh, it's no more on CD, but they published uh, a double CD box set called uh, Pacific Recordings of uh, Gilevans, and the first CD is is that album. Okay, cool. And that's, it's beautiful. That's something they, they really also, interesting. They also play like Lester Lipsin and so anyway. Yeah. And wow. the very last question, even sillier than the one before, is which transcription you've done is your favorite? I know you are going to tell me no, there's too many. No, I can't answer that question. It's just like for the sake of the game. Sure. You know, just I'll, I'll, I'll shoot make one. just one arbitrary parameter to decide that, and yeah. it's just because it's kind of my first one, um, and that's the strap hanging solo by Michael Brecker yeah. with, the, with the WDR big band, and I've I've started that one when I was sixteen. It was so hard, I couldn't really get it down. I I remember the part where the the backings of the big band came in. And when I was 16, I was like saying to my teacher, it's impossible to hear, you know, they are too loud. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I did the channel and I revisited like five years later, I suddenly heard all the lines. It was like magic. I thought like, whoa, what's what happened? Is the recording that it secretly got better or something? Yeah. Uh, no, but this has learned me what you say, said about the struggles. They are super real for me or they were super real for me uh this has been the best learning tool in my life going over from 16 till 30 now and we learned this one last year absolutely great what's your favorite solo timothy yeah i think also the one that was hard is like the tigran uh narian odyssey because it was so hard and i that was really one I, that i had to spend a couple of weeks on to to finish it and it had like rhythmic modulations and he starts beatboxing and all that stuff so again like really really that frustration and having to keep going at it and at it and trying to figure out how what he's doing and how he's doing it and stuff like that and then finally getting to the end of that that's yeah if you yeah. push through walls that stays with you that's a scar or no, maybe something more positive than a scar, but it stays with you at least. Yeah, I like it. So guys, thanks so much. I had a great oh, time you. and I, I'm pretty sure that our listeners will be delighted to hear you, you know, talking about your methodologies <laughs> and your passion. So keep doing your exceptional work. Thank you. And as I say, all the time you know all the links will be in the video description so check these guys out they also have a bunch of uh, actually a lot of transcription that they sell on their website so uh, I think I guess that's another way to support you know their fantastic work that they are doing um, and check also you know they're playing individually because I'm pretty sure you will be amazed by how these people are, are playing their instruments. So thanks a lot to uh, Sharp 11 Music, uh, Jorah and Timothy to be with us today. Thank you.
Thank you, Mary Tyler.